Hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for the 9th of June, 2022. Somebody messaged me. He said January. I don't know. I didn't go listen to it. I'll just take your word for it. I'm sure I said it was the the 8th of January. It it felt like my cold heart made it cool. It's like, it's a a pretty warm January. No, it's a cold June. My cold, cold heart. My heart. I'll, I'll embrace my my heartlessness in today's episode. Don't you worry about that. Like I say, we got a lot to get to. I would first tell you, of course, encourage you, ask you, implore you to go to patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast and sign up there to become a supporter of the program or at local or at the DerekHunter.locals.com, whichever you prefer. Uh, to check out the Week in F and Review and all the bonus stuff and enter the contests. I'm trying to uh, give back. Yeah, enter a contest to win autographed books. There's new book or books, multiple books given away every single week. They're all autographed, and you can just sell them on eBay if you want and make your money back. But uh, I appreciate the support, so check that out, patreon.com slash Podcast or DerekHunter.locals.com. All right, let's get started. We've got a, a lot of things to talk about today. There's a lot going on. And um, I've got to start off with what I watched yesterday on the television. It was, look, I, I, look when you, you've got, I'm trying to think of the best way to start this. When you've got Joe Biden as your mouthpiece, when you've got Joe Biden as your figurehead, you find any way, shape, or form, or excuse you can possibly come up with to go. Uh, but but listen to this guy instead, or listen to this girl. And look at the, listen to these people. Just listen to somebody. Don't don't listen to Joe Biden for the love of God. Whatever you do, don't listen to Joe Biden. Do us all a favor. Pretend he doesn't exist, because that's what you have to do when you have a complete incompetent. As, although I was watching a video of an interview of Joe Biden from 2008 when he was running for president uh, the last time. He was so coherent. What he was saying was garbage, but he was coherent. And there was no stutter whatsoever. And he's like, oh, well, that's weird. Then you realize, oh, yeah, that's right. He's suffering complete mental breakdown and dementia. That's what the problem is. Anyway, when you've got Joe Biden as your mouthpiece, you want anybody else out there you can possibly get. So you end up in a situation where, like, uh, they had to pretend to give a damn about anti-Asian hate crimes. Not too much of a damn because the perpetrators are their voters. So you, you can't go all in on that or else you could alienate your base. They had BTS come out there. And it's telling that... Uh, a South Korean group, about half the members speak English well. The other half don't, and we're giving a message in Korean in some cases, one of them, and they're like, why, why? Who are they Who are they trying to, to give a message to? And you can realize, oh, yeah, Joe Biden wasn't even there. They were at the White House podium. And then Joe Biden, the president of the United States, wasn't even there. You realize he probably wouldn't have been able to pronounce their names, he would not have remembered what they were or why they were there or anything like that. So it's best to keep them separated. And yesterday, 
they did the same sort of thing. They try to achieve coolness by proxy. They tried to project caring by proxy. Joe Biden can't really convey that he gives a damn about anybody or anything that doesn't make him rich, right? Or help him become popular. I'd say more popular, but he can't get really any less popular. So that's all he gives a damn about. There's reports he's running around the White House angry that his approval ratings are lower than that of Donald Trump's. And he doesn't understand it because he views Donald Trump as the worst president ever. And, you know, Joe, you're free to view anybody you want as the worst president ever. It just so happens that the American people view you that way in vast majorities. But um, so they kept Joe in a cage yesterday. I guess they're prepping him full of drugs and pumping him full of drugs and and rehearsing his spontaneous live interview with Jimmy Kimmel. You know they're rehearsing that. You know you know that they've they've got that. They they probably have a crew of Jimmy Kimmel and probably Jimmy Kimmel himself out at the White House filming all sorts of little cute, clever little things. Remember that whatever you see on Jimmy Kimmel tonight will have been filmed the day before would have been filmed yesterday would have been filmed the day that Matthew McConaughey was out at the podium at the White House giving an impassioned plea against gun violence and you go well the president wasn't there the president was probably running around filming things for Jimmy Kimmel Live because his priorities are whatever can make him more popular whatever his handlers tell him will make him more popular and I don't be mad at me. I'm just the messenger. But that's how it works. This stuff is filmed ahead of time. A couple days ahead of time, they go out there and they eat up pretty much a whole day of the president. The president cares very deeply about this issue. So much so that he's willing to take time away from his vacation schedule. And that's really what he's taking time away from. His presidenting is easy. So just keep that in mind, that as Matthew McConaughey was giving what everybody said, is, oh my God, it's such an impassioned speech and Karine Jean-Pierre was so moved that she barely took any questions and left soon after the president was probably out playing make-believe with Jimmy Kimmel and rehearsing the questions that they were going to ask him just saying if there's if there's a video I don't know if there's a video or not but if there is a video that's when it would have been filmed it's the only time it would have been filmed so what happened with Matthew McConaughey I have no problem with Matthew McConaughey having opinions on things. He's an American. He can have opinions on whatever the hell he wants as an American. But he talked a lot about leadership. He had the chance. He's toying with the idea, should I run for governor of Texas? Should I run for governor of Texas? And he decided, no, he wouldn't run for governor of Texas. It, was, it makes too much money to run for governor of Texas, right? I mean, why... Why would you bother running for governor of Texas if you've got a a small fortune, the GDP of a, of a third world country in your bank account, and you can make more just making movies, playing make-believe? So he didn't want to do it. I don't blame him. I wouldn't give it up either. But you forfeit my giving a damn about what you have to say if when you have the opportunity to try to lead on your plate, you pass on it, Right? So, instead, they brought Matthew McConaughey in to talk about 
the tragedy of Uvalde. See, he grew up in Uvalde. I don't understand. Like, just because you grew up in Uvalde doesn't give you any special insights or anything like that. But or uh, he doesn't live there anymore. He probably doesn't go there very often, except for when tragedy strikes. And he got all sorts of credit and accolades for being there. Fine, whatever. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna play you one clip from Matthew McConaughey because the rest of, I I didn't care about anything Matthew McConaughey had to say for reasons I've already expressed, but he, uh, there's a real attempt at emotional, uh, an emotional appeal in there. And it used a visual aid and it used his wife. And it was, uh, it was, I remember watching, I was watching this speech and I thought this guy's going on way too long. He's not elected to anything. He's not imbued with any sort of special powers. Like I don't, I don't know what the White House is trying. And then I figured out what the White House was trying to do, but I just don't understand why they let it go on for so long. But there was a story of the shoes, a nine-year-old girl in her shoes. She, uh, well, I'll let Matthew McConaughey tell the story. Manila, the mom and the stepdad of nine-year-old Maite Rodriguez. And Maite wanted to be a marine biologist. She was already in contact with Corpus Christi University of A&M for her future college enrollment. Nine years old. Maite cared for the environment so strongly that when the city asked her mother if they could release some balloons into the sky in her memory, her mom said, oh no, Maite wouldn't want to litter. Maite wore green high-top converse with a heart she had hand-drawn on the right toe because they represented her love of nature. Camilla's got these shoes. Can you show these shoes, please? Wore these every day. Green Converse with a heart on the right toe. These are the same green Converse on her feet that turned out to be the only clear evidence that could identify her after the shooting. How about that? Punches the podium there. It's a very emotional moment. These were the shoes. These were his wife is holding up these shoes. And the media ran with this. Oh, my goodness, these shoes. Pictures of Matthew McConaughey's wife holding these shoes. She's crying at the moment. She's being photographed holding the shoes. He's punching the podium. He's angry at what happened. We're all angry at what happened. But I am a lifelong wearer of... Chuck Taylor's, the Converse. I have graduated from the high tops mostly to the low top slip-ons. I highly recommend them. They're great shoes. Uh, you need inserts because there's absolutely no cushion in them whatsoever. So if you walk a lot, your feet will kill you. But as far as every other, <laughs> that sounds a little weird, but every other aspect of the shoe, aside from the pain of wearing them, walking them, they're great, comfortable shoes. These shoes that his wife Camilla were holding were not what were used to identify this poor girl. These were brand new shoes. These were literally brand new shoes. You, If you wear Chuck Taylors, you know what brand new Chucks look like. It was a prop. It was a made-for-TV prop. Why the White House let them do this, I don't know, and maybe they didn't know, who knows, but the shoes are still being reported as the shoes. Oh my God, this touching story of the shoes. This touching, the story of the shoes is touching. 
You don't need the visual aid. It cheapens it when you find out they're not the shoes, right? Then you go, well, were there really shoes? There were really shoes. But to sit there and pretend that these were the shoes is, is scuzzy to me. It's, it's sleazy. It's fake. It's a fraud. And you sit there and you go, why are you doing this, Matthew McConaughey? What in the hell's wrong with you? Now, how do you know these are sh- It's not just because, oh, the shoes look so new. It's because his wife was photographed wearing the shoes earlier in the day or later in the day, at some point in the day. See, Matthew McConaughey came to town. He came to the White House. He went and did some media interviews, and he went up on Capitol Hill and was lobbying members of Congress, Senate, Senate particularly. And I have no problem with him doing any of that. It's, as an American, he has the perfect right. It's a little bit weird that you wouldn't be able to do that, not that you wouldn't be able to get in there, but there's no way a senator would give you a meeting. Matthew McConaughey gets a meeting with senators of either party at any time he wants one, but you're not going to gonna get a meeting. And uh, his wife is wearing the shoes. She's wearing those very same shoes, squeaky clean, brand new shoes. It might have been after. You can tell because somebody, probably his wife, had drawn a heart on the right shoe, on the toe. It's a canvas, quite frankly. If you have a pair of Chucks in high school, I had white high tops that I had pretty much everybody sign. Like even the principal and the vice principal teachers, friends, there were, I don't know, I got like 100 signatures on these shoes. They began to fade. I had to trace the signatures. Then eventually a, a thing of pine tar broke open and ruined them. But I had, you know, you can, your Chucks are your canvas. But there's no nine-year-old in the world, unless she's 5'8", that is going to be able to wear... The, it's not like his wife was wearing those shoes. Like, oh, she's wearing the uh, the dead girl's shoes in a sign of, of solidarity. No, his wife is 40 years old. She's 5'9". She's a 5'9 Brazilian model. A five foot nine Brazilian model would not be able to walk down a catwalk if she had the same shoe size as a nine year old. Just there would there wouldn't be enough foot there to offer her support to stand upright, or that nine year old would have had the biggest shoe size foot size on record for a nine year old. And you sit there and you go, why lie? Why lie? And the answer is right there. It's, it's plain as day. It's about emotional manipulation. It is always about emotional manipulation. It's wildly important to the left. Thinking people don't go for what they're selling. Don't buy what they're selling. Rational thinking people will look at this situation and go, we need to do something about mental health for sure. But we have to uh, recognize that um, you, you, you can't punish the innocent for the acts, the evil acts of the guilty. That is wrong. That is Soviet. That's insane. We need to find a better way. No, 
That's not what Democrats want. Democrats want one thing very specifically. They want to curtail your rights. They want to take away your rights. Doesn't matter. You don't need those weapons of war. Well, doesn't, it's not a matter. Well, they always say, well, you don't need an AR-15 to go hunting. Well, there's no hunting exception in the Second Amendment. Right? Therefore, the right of the people to keep and bear arms for the purposes of hunting shall not be infringed. That's not what the First Amendment says. That's not how this works. You don't get to redefine it because you find it inconvenient or you simply don't like it. You have to change it. You can change it. You can try. They always say, well, the, what we're trying to do is so wildly popular. It's so wonderful. Then it should be fairly simple to amend the Constitution then, shouldn't it? If it's so overwhelming, like 70, 80, 90 percent of Americans agree with these sorts of things, then put it on paper in unambiguous language and propose it as a constitutional amendment. Then you don't have to worry about the Supreme Court. You don't have to worry about anything. Well, you'd have to worry about the American people telling you to get bent. You'd have to worry about the American people rejecting your ideas. That's what would happen. But other than that, you wouldn't have to worry about anything. It's like abortion. Abortion so wildly popular. Then amend the Constitution to create a right to abortion. It'd be a horrible mistake once you uh, start introducing the concept into the Constitution that the Constitution can grant rights rather than acknowledge rights that you're born with. But if that's what you want to do and you think it's that popular and you got the votes, do it. Go for it. But they don't. They don't do it on any of these things because they recognize that, A, their ideas are not that popular and they don't, they'd don't. they rather have the myth. So that they have, they have, if they have the myth, they can say those Republicans are going, going against the will of the American people, the overwhelming will of the American people. And if you actually did pass anything, you then wouldn't be able to whine about your inability to pass anything on that. Well, you can't do that. You just did it. Oh, right. Vote for us because we did it is not an effective campaign slogan. Vote for us and we'll do it is. And that's what you're looking at. I don't think Matthew McConaughey was in on this. I just think Matthew McConaughey is Matthew McConaughey and Democrats found him useful. Believe me, there are plenty of people from Hollywood who have opinions on this issue that are either too combative or seen as too partisan or don't agree with the White House, who would never get anywhere near the podium in the White House. Matthew McConaughey just fit the bill. That's all I, that's all I really think about the whole damn thing. It's a show. I don't, I, I don't revel in attacking Matthew McConaughey. I actually enjoy the work of Matthew McConaughey most of the time. But let's be, if you're lying, you're lying. If you're, you, oh, it's for dramatic effect. You don't need dramatic effect. It's just it's just tacky. It's terrible. He should have been called out for it. Um, and uh, there's other stuff, a lot of stuff going on. There was a huge recall out there in California yesterday. This has to have Democrats worried. San Francisco doesn't get any more liberal than San Francisco. It really doesn't. It is. Um, we got it so far left it almost falls off the cliff. Honestly, it's that messed up. But you sit there and you, you see that the guy who they elected, and they elected Chesa Boudin, got the boot last night. 
got the boot last night. Why? Because he's far too lenient when it comes to crime. He's just like the rest of these leftists out there who say, well, I'm not going to prosecute this certain crime or that certain crime. The quality of life crimes. We're not going to do this. We're not going to do that. And you go, wait a second. How is that? Isn't it your job to... Uh, to prosecute, you're not to, you're not a legislator. You don't get to make up the laws. You're supposed to enforce the laws that are there. There's some prosecutorial discretion. This is what this is what drives me nuts about these leftist prosecutors everywhere, from Philadelphia to Los Angeles to Baltimore to anywhere. Is prosecutorial discretion is for the the grandmother who steals a loaf of bread to try and feed her grandchildren, okay? You sit there and you go, oh, wow, uh, theft, sure, we could really throw the book at her, but, you know, she was stealing bread. She wasn't robbing a bank. She didn't beat anybody over the head for it. It's not that kind of a robbery. She didn't use a gun. And it's her first offense, and she's 70 years old. So she's probably not a recidivist, and she's not a threat to society. So... We're going to offer a plea deal that she pinky swears not to do it again and we'll let it slide. That That's prosecutorial discretion. Prosecutorial discretion is not, I don't like this law, therefore it's I'm going to pretend it's not a law anymore. That's not prosecutorial discretion. That is prosecutorial abuse. Significant abuse. And that's what's been happening in San Francisco. That's what's been happening across the country. Wherever these people who have been put in office by George Soros, wherever they happen to rule, they rule the way that George Soros wants. George Soros spent millions of dollars electing prosecutors. Now, Chesapeake Dean is uh, more of than just a regular run-of-the-mill prosecutor like George Gascon in in Los Angeles is. Chesa Boudin is from progressive royalty. Now, it, what do I mean by that? I mean he is the spawn of heroes on the left, a guy named David Gilbert and Kathy Boudin. They, he was just pardoned, or not pardoned, he was just uh, granted clemency by Andrew Cuomo on his way out the door as governor of New York, she just recently, a few, like six weeks ago or whatever, died uh, from cancer. Uh, They were both involved convicted felons. They're murderers. They're murderers. They were involved in a 1981 Brinks truck robbery where guards were murdered. They were the getaway drivers. And I always said, well, they were the getaway drivers. They didn't kill anybody. They were the getaway drivers. If you're standing outside in the car ready to go outside of a bank robbery or a liquor store robbery, and your partner in there kills somebody, you're just as guilty, right? It doesn't matter that you didn't physically pull the trigger. So Chesa Boudin, they were members of the Weather Underground. They were uh, his parents, left-wing terrorists that had they gotten out of prison earlier, probably would have gotten tenure, but it's probably a little too late. They would have given tenure, and it's too late for his father and his mother's already in hell so there's that but he was raised because <laughs> when your parents are left-wing terrorists who are sentenced to jail for murder 
for most of your adult life, most of your life, really, because Chesa Boudin was very young when his parents were out committing murders and uh, Brink's truck robberies. He was raised by Bill Ayers and Bernadine Dorn. Now, if those names sound familiar to you, they are the friends, the good friends of Barack Obama, where Barack Obama launched his political career in their living room. They're such good friends. They, too, are former terror. Well, terrorists, you're always a terrorist. Uh, left-wing terrorists in the weather underground. They simply weren't convicted. They got acquitted. Jury nullification and a bad prosecution case. But they admit that they did it, but you can't be tried again for you know, double jeopardy, is what did uh, Bill Ayers say as he was walking out? Guilty of sin, but free as a bird. After he walked out of court, I believe that's what he said. Just bad people. So of course their kid is going to be a left-winger. Of course their kid is going to be one of these people that views the United States as the problem in the world, not the solution to what's going on in the world. So that's who Chesa Boudin is. And still, the the people of San Francisco who elected Chesa... Now, granted, Chesa Boudin was not elected overwhelmingly. It was a fight between him and another left-wing lunatic... And he won by about a percentage point. Doesn't really matter. He won. That's all that matters. He got recalled last night, overwhelmingly, unambiguously. He's out because he wasn't prosecuting criminals. And he introduced things like no cash bail. Oh, cash bail is so racist. Somebody beats the hell out of a woman on the street just randomly. Uh, You kind of want them held on cash if you can't come up with the cash bail that's a bit of a sign it's not oh you're poor because you really only have to come up with 10 percent it's a sign that nobody wants you out on the street all your friends and family all they've got to do is a ten thousand dollar bail all your friends and family have to do is come up with a thousand dollars now thousand dollars is nothing to sniff at but if everybody you know and cares about you can't come up with a thousand dollars to post bond for you, I would suspect it's because they don't want you out. <laughs> I'm just going out on a limb there. They don't want you out. No, no, pass. No, thank you. You're going to get Earl out? You want me to give $100 to get Earl out of Hell no, I'm not getting Earl out of prison. To hell with Earl. Or, you know, I'd rather smoke hundred dollars worth of crack think about it then you're probably not rolling in the best circles and maybe being in prison might be a good thing for you but uh, somehow the idea that cash cash bail is racist is now rampant on the left it's just horribly horribly racist it goes with the white savior complex that the leftists have that black people couldn't possibly come up with money they can't take care of themselves our justice system is racist (laughs) I would agree that our justice system is peaking. You know, Lady Liberty is blindfolded in all those statues. But I think the blindfold has slipped. But it ain't looking at skin color. It's looking at politics. But um, the Washington Post has this story. And they they didn't even at least yet give Jessa Boudin's recall its own story. So the recall of San Francisco, this is about a, a story about the California primary. The recall of San Francisco District Attorney Chesa Boudin, whom critics called too lenient, came as angst over liberal leaders' approach to public safety also loomed large 
in a contest for Los Angeles mayor. See, they're trying to make it all into one thing and say, look, this is California thing. It's not. Don't other people around the country don't start thinking about these things. Where Representative Karen Bass and billionaire businessman Rick Caruso are projected to advance to a runoff. Caruso, a former Republican, that's how they smear it, a former Republican, uh, has pitched himself as a different kind of Democrat who will fix long simmering crises in the nation's second largest city. Soaring inflation, gun violence, and abortion rights were on voters' minds Tuesday as they headed to the polls. Uh, really? It's, it's a primary. It shouldn't have had anything to do with that. Surrounded by supporters at a bar Tuesday night, Boudin said the recall campaign, quote, exploited an environment in which people are appropriately upset. They were given an opportunity to voice their frustration and their outrage, and they took that opportunity. Looking for someone to blame, an audience member chimed in. Yeah, uh, the guy guilty of it, the guy responsible for it. When leftists lose, it's the system that's corrupt. It's problematic. What's funny is this is San Francisco, right? It doesn't get any more left wing than San Francisco. Yet there are liberals out there, liberal activists on social media who are doing everything they can (laughs) to blame the recall of their, their boy, their boy. He was all over. MSNBC tried to save him. Their boy, Chesa Boudin, they tried to save him. Um, They tried to blame that on right-wingers. They tried to blame that on Fox News. Now, what do you think the viewership of Fox News is in San Francisco? 12 people, maybe? 12, 13, maybe on a good day? Ann Coulter, the brilliant Ann Coulter, had a great tweet about this. She tweeted, quote, The good news for Chesa Boudin is that he will still be prosecuting the same number of criminals. (laughs) Justin Miller... And this is the one I was talking about. He is, uh, he's a journalist. He's deputy editor at uh, New York Magazine's uh, insert the intelligence here. It's a subset of it. He's got a story, Chesa Boudin and the limits of San Francisco liberalism. I'm not going to bother you with any of the details of that story, just to show his tweet, to show his ignorance. He tweeted out, San Francisco governed by Republicans for most of the 20th century, doesn't rest on a New Deal foundation and increasingly lacks a working-class population to bolster progressive candidates. This is hilarious on many levels. The working class, the, um, the idea that this guy is... Or, well, the people of San Francisco, there's not working class in there, and that's the problem. That's That progressives are the voice of the working class. The people of the working class is laughable, is hysterical. The working class threw him out. Every class, except for the wealthy, the uber-wealthy, threw him out. Now, I'm looking up, and I said, okay, let's find. For most of the 20th century... It was all controlled by Republicans. So you're looking from 1912 to 1964, it was Republicans. From 1964 on, it's been solid Democrats. So if the Republican legacy that ended in 1964 was so ingrained in San Francisco that it is still impacting elections today, 
Why hasn't it impacted an election since 1964? Because they're full of crap. Let's just be honest about it. The working class people, to the extent that they live in San Francisco or anywhere, tossed this guy out on his ass. So did the poor. So did the sane successful. It doesn't matter what neighborhood you're in. You have to be aware of the piles of human feces that you're going to step in if you walk down the street. The needles that are around. Everything is horrible. The videos that you see of people going into Walgreens or CVSs with duffel bags and casually picking through. There was one I saw the other day. It was amazing. You, uh, you see them in the cosmetics aisle. You see them in the medicine aisle and all the stuff you need to make meth and everything. And they, they'll bust open the, the plastic cases and get in there and get it. But there was one. Somebody was stealing cigarettes. They were behind, that stuff's behind the counter. They walked behind the counter. They'd gotten so brave and they walked behind the counter and they're casually just kind of going, well, there you go. I'm going to take everything you got here right now because this has some really good street value and to hell with you. That's why Chesa Boudin got recalled because those people are repeat offenders. Those people are, if they're arrested at all, are held without bail or not held, offered no bail and let go. It's not because San Francisco lacks a working class population to bolster progressive candidates. It's because the middle class population of everywhere has noticed that the progressive candidates are emperors with no clothes, that they're screwing up everywhere they are. You can only be a Tasmanian devil with a complete and total destruction in your wake for so long before people go, wait a second, that guy's a Tasmanian devil with complete and total destruction in his wake right sooner or later people open their eyes just seeing this now one of those uh, i'm sure this is just a pro-life extremist we'll learn about it washington post just this morning man with a weapon detained near brett kavanaugh's home the man allegedly told police he wanted to kill the supreme court justice according to people familiar with the investigation If MSNBC's ratings go down tonight, you'll know why. One of their viewers is unavailable. Well, they probably have MSNBC in prison. Actually, it's Maryland. It's Chevy Chase, Maryland. It's Montgomery County. The guy's probably already out by now. A California man carrying at least one weapon near Brett M. Kavanaugh's Maryland home has been taken into custody by police after telling officers he wanted to kill the Supreme Court justice, according to people familiar with the investigation. A man, described to be in his mid-twenties, was found to be carrying at least one weapon and burglary tools, these people said, speaking on condition of anonymity to discuss an ongoing investigation. Police were apparently notified that the person might pose a threat to the justice, but it was not immediately clear who provided the initial tip. These people said the man apparently did not make it onto Kavanaugh's property in Montgomery County, but he was stopped on a nearby street, these people said. Two people familiar with the investigation said the initial evidence indicates that the man was angry about the leaked draft of an opinion by the Supreme Court signaling that the court is preparing to overturn Roe v. Wade, the 49-year-old decision that guaranteed nationwide the constitutional right to have an abortion. He was also angry over a recent spate of mass shootings, these people said. 
At the end, it says the story is developing and will be updated. When was this arrest? When did this arrest happen? Does it just happen? Or did it happen a couple days ago? Why isn't this bigger news? And if you listen, it takes till the very end, granted, the last paragraph of the story, and there's one, two, three, four, five, six Washington Post reporters working on this, which if you've been following the Washington Post drama recently, having six Washington Post reporters together in one story or together in, in, in an elevator is pretty dangerous. Felicia Sommez, whoever the hell you pronounce her name, never heard of her. Um, she is uh, not a very good reporter, but she's been spending the last three days whining and complaining about the work environment there because my friend Dave Weigel retweeted a joke. He didn't even tweet a joke. He retweeted a joke from a comedian, no less. He just retweeted it because it's kind of funny. said, uh, what... Uh, all women are bi. You just have to figure out whether or not it's sexual or polar. It's not fall on the floor funny, but it's click, quick, it's clever, it's funny. You could say the same thing for men. I you could do whatever the hell you want. You could make a joke, but you're not allowed to make a joke. Felicia was very upset at the sexism. Dave deleted the retweet and apologized unreservedly and then got suspended for 30 days by the Washington Post because it was a horribly sexist joke that uh, he found amusing. They want to talk about the ultimate in thought policing. He didn't come up with the joke. He just retweeted the joke, implying that he thought it was funny. That is enough to get you canceled today by the left. Well, Felicia, the woman reporter, was uh, what is her beat? Does anybody even know? She's a Washington Post national politics reporter. Swear to God, I've, I've tried to look up like stories that she broke. She's never broken anything not anything worthwhile but she's been at the post for a while she was at the wall street journal beforehand and i guarantee you there are people at the wall street journal going oh thank god she's gone thank god she's gone but she's been tweeting at our other colleagues too jose del real another reporter at the post who uh she's gone after because he's like okay you know you got the guy suspended for a month without pay maybe you can relax and she's no 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 and so he blocked her. Now, Jose Del Real is a gay man and a Hispanic man. So that was like a woke-off of which one was going to be most important to the Post. And the Post has been desperately trying to get these people to calm down and act like adults, act like professionals. But Felicia is incapable of that. So many other reporters at the Post have said, okay, calm down. And she's, not can't calm down. This is a hostile work environment. Then quit. And quit. When you want to talk about a hostile work environment, one of the readers of the Post, I guarantee you, one of the watchers, one of the viewers of MSNBC and CNN, I promise you, has gone and uh, was planning to kill Brett Kavanaugh. Will this make the nightly news? Maybe. I'm going to say the over-under on total not, uh, minutes of reporting of this story on the nightly news tonight will be one, one minute total between the three networks. And I'm going to take the under. I suspect that it will get between 10 and 15 seconds on each of the broadcast networks. That would be my guess. 
No matter what it is. I mean, right now it seems pretty bad. The guy's talking. He, it's about abortion. He has been watching the mainstream media coverage, the liberal media coverage, of the leaked opinion. He's probably heard more than his share of Rachel Maddow monologues. And that has moved him to want to kill. And I promise you there will not be an expose at the Washington, or the New York Times or the Washington Post about whichever MSNBC host, when we know this person's name, whichever MSNBC host this person posted most about on social media. But if you remember the Buffalo mass shooting, even though the guy described himself as an authoritarian leftist, and an environmental nut on top of being a racist, his actions were blamed on Fox News and Tucker Carlson. His actions were blamed on Fox News and Tucker Carlson. What did they do? They did nothing. He talked about the replacement theory, the racist replacement theory that Democrats used to talk about until it became useful for Democrats to declare it racist. And then uh, it became racist and every Democrat stopped talking about it and bragging about it, really, and began saying, my God, what a horrible racist you people are for quoting us directly back to ourselves. You sit there and you go, this can't get any dumber, but it can. It will. It will. The people in charge are dumb. The people in charge are incompetent. Well, they have a choice. They're either incompetent or they are They're steering the ship toward the iceberg. You can take your pick. I think some of them are steering the ship towards the iceberg. You can't you can't replace what people don't want replaced unless you destroy it. If you're uh, let's just say you're 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 you have a shed, a she shed or a wife, your wife has a shed in the back. You hate it. You hate the damn thing. You want to get rid of it. But you can't get rid of it because she loves the damn thing. So it's rotting and falling apart in the back. And what do you do? Maybe you spray it a little extra with the hose when you're watering the grass or the flowers or whatever. Maybe you kick it. You run the lawnmower into it. You do what you can to make sure that that thing gets to the point where, look, honey, it's got to be taken down. It's a safety issue. It's a safety. I wouldn't want you to be in there and have it collapse. So we've got to take it down. Then you win that way rather than just going and tearing it down anyway because you want it gone. That would have you sleeping on the couch. The American people like this country, by and large. There's a big percentage, about 30%, who don't. Those are active Democrats. But they're not going to be able to impose their will and change our system to a socialist-communist system unless people become dissatisfied with what currently exists, with capitalism. We don't even really have pure capitalism, but to the extent that we have capitalism, people have to become disgusted by it. The way to make that happen is to ruin the economics, the economy of this country. And then you stand on the ashes and say, well, I've got a better way. We can build back better. Build back better the way that Europe is built back better with perpetual 10% unemployment, a welfare state, 30, 40, 50% taxes, things of that nature. And if that's not better to you, why you're a monster. The American people would never willingly go into an ist system of socialism or 
communism, they have to be tricked into doing it. So the people in charge, you can debate whether or not individuals, do they know enough to recognize what they're doing? Are they just useful idiots? Are they just idiots? Or do they know exactly what they're doing? In the case of Janet Yellen, I, uh, she knows what she's doing. She's the former chair of the Federal Reserve. She's the current Treasury Secretary. She is a world-famous economist, not just because she's a woman, although largely because she is one. She is somebody who the left looks to on these things. She's been wildly wrong, or is she wildly Is she wrong, or does she not care? That's the question when it comes to inflation. She was up on Capitol Hill yesterday testifying about inflation. She went off about abortion rights and how abortion rights are important. She went off about the need for gun control. As Treasury Secretary, she has no role in those things, but progressives are all on the team. They all have their orders, and boy, howdy, like good little Nazis, they follow those orders to a T. But in the course of her testimony, inflation, believe it or not, came up. Now, this is the person charged with advising the president, overseeing the economy, overseeing the treasury, and um, trying to curtail or eliminate inflation. Listen to her plan after admitting last week that she got it wrong. She dropped the ball. She didn't see it coming. Somehow, somehow printing trillions of dollars didn't didn't cause this woman to go, hey, that's probably going to lead to inflation. Now that it's here, she's got a plan to get rid of it. There's no question that we have huge inflation pressures, that inflation is really our top economic problem at this point, and that it's critical that we address it. So um, I, do I do expect inflation to remain high, although I very much hope that it will be coming down now. <laughs> we're screwed. We're all screwed. Oh, that uh, iceberg isn't going to move. We're going to hit that iceberg. It's going to sink the ship. But I very much hope that when we hit that iceberg, it actually won't sink the ship. Hey, isn't it your job, Captain, to, I don't know, avoid the iceberg? Isn't it your job? Madam Secretary to, I don't know, do something to stave off inflation. But no, it's it's more than fingers crossed. Hey, everybody, I've got an idea to fight inflation. Take out your, your hands and take your fingers and cross them. All right, you cross those fingers there. That's our plan to fight inflation. Let's hope it works. Okay, everybody go about your business. Fingers crossed. Let's hope that it works. <laughs> It's funnier if it weren't so devastating. But these are the people in charge. These are the people who are managing the decline. They want to, they can't crash the economy completely because that would cause too much devastation. They'd be thrown out of office. They want to slowly lower it to the point that the American people feel enough pain, say six, seven dollars gas. Uh, the inability to afford meat. All these things are Democrats want. They don't want you to drive. They don't want you to eat meat to save the planet. Lower that threshold down and raise the pain threshold to the point that people go, we need something else. We need Capitalism isn't working. Capitalism isn't working. Like, yeah, capitalism has difficulty working when the government puts its boot on the neck of capitalism. It's weird how that works. You don't have, uh, you're not very flexible and mobile if the government was putting its boot on your neck 
either. But this is where we are. This is what this is the Biden plan. Boy, howdy. Let's just hope that inflation goes down. Yeah. Let that sink in. Sleep well tonight. I just went to the Drudge Report to see, you know, if they had the any up if he had any other stories linked that uh, were showing more information about this Democrat arrested trying to kill or wanting to kill the Supreme Court justice. Oh, there's the UK Sun. They just have the Washington Post story, which still hasn't been updated. Who knows? By the time you, it'll be updated later. The Sun. Let's see. The man was carrying at least one weapon and allegedly told. And the the UK Sun story is just rewritten. A rewritten version of the uh, Washington Post story. Boy, sooner or later somebody's going to do some some journalism, won't they? That's my God. This is just a rehash. Yeah. Sooner or later, I get that it's noon, it's breaking and what have you, but at some point, somebody is bound to accidentally do some journalism. If you remember back when the Buffalo shooting happened, it was all Tucker Carlson's fault because that guy had written about the replacement theory. The New York Times ran a long, long, long piece on Tucker Carlson's life. And, oh, his mother didn't love him and blah, 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 blah. And you're like, wow, this is... All because some guy wrote a manifesto that he hated Fox, never mentioned Tucker, and actually called himself a member of the authoritarian left. And then you go, oh, that's why they did. That's why they tried so desperately to blame Tucker. It was because they'd really inspired it. And they had to cover their tracks. It was one of their own. Just like the Gabby Gifford shooter, Jared Lee Loeffner. He was, oh, it's, it's Sarah Palin's fault and Republicans' fault. And you go, but this guy had a long, long history of hating George W. Bush. I'm not really sure that you're going to kill on behalf of somebody you hate or kill because of something. No, it, it, they're, he's a lefty. He just, Gabby Giffords wasn't lefty enough or whatever the person, he's an insane person. These people are all unstable. You kind of have to be emotionally and mentally unstable to be a progressive leftist, to be an activist leftist. And you sit there and you go, no, we gotta, if we can find a way to blame, the, just like the mass shootings that were committed by black people or Hispanic people or the Muslim guy out in, I think, Colorado, where they're like all the left-wing reporters are going, oh, another white guy. And they go, oh, wait, his name is like Mohammed bin Salman. You know, damn it. And that story just went away. The shooting in Buffalo was news. The shooting in Laguna Woods, California, wasn't. Why? Both were motivated by hate. Both were horrible, heinous crimes. One was not committed by a white guy. They went after the the Texas, the Uvalde shooting, they couldn't ignore. It was too egregious. So they switched that back to the guns. You notice that there's really no discussion about the uh, the motives of the guy, other than that he's crazy. They all sort of accept that he's crazy. Did he did he hate certain people? Do we know? We don't know. There hasn't been an expose of his social media footprint, which is out there, which to me tells you that it's not being explored because it can't help Democrats. If it can't help Democrats, it might as well have not happen. So. 
it'll be interesting to see if this thing shakes out and how this thing shakes out. But I'll tell you, just watch. Watch the ratings for CNN and MSNBC. There'll be a little dip, I bet you, because this guy won't be there watching it nonstop. He took their words and translated it into action. So, yeah, no reporter will dare write that story. Now, I just played you Janet Yellen. We just talked about Janet Yellen. Gee, boy, golly, hola. I hope that uh, the economy can handle this inflation. I hope that the inflation goes away. It's wishing. It's like wishing a unicorn would come pick you up on the side of the road when you really need to call a tow truck instead. Well, <clears throat> Janet Yellen isn't the only one who's clueless about things and, and slips up. I, I tell you, Karine Jean-Pierre, did I mention she's historic? She's the new press secretary, in case you didn't know. She is wildly historic because she's both black and gay. And she's a child of immigrants or an immigrant herself or whatever. Who cares? I don't care. She's a lying fraud, and that bothers me. And it's not like, well, she's a total lying fraud who just you know tells, blows smoke up the rear end of the American people. But on the other hand, she is black, gay, and an immigrant. So, you know, the scales of the universe sort of balance out. Not really. Not really. No, they don't. <laughs> At least not in my book. And they're like, well, I'll give you a, I'll give you a pass because you're, you're gay. Is not, uh, not something I'd ever say. Nothing I'd, I'd ever recommend anybody say. That being said, she was asked about inflation yesterday, and she made a mistake. She makes a lot of mistakes when not reading although when she's reading the the answers too she's she makes mistakes because this administration lies i guess if you knowingly tell something that is untrue it's not a mistake it's a lie so she lies all the time call it what it is but she's historic so it's okay you see uh she's admitted accidentally rather casually that the Biden administration hasn't done anything about inflation for a year. What do I mean? Well, listen to her yesterday. What we're trying to say, what I'm trying to say to you, is that the economy is in a better place than it has been historically. And so we feel here at this administration, and other experts as well, is that we feel that we are in a good position to take on inflation. We are in a good position to really start uh, really working on uh, lowering prices. <laughs> oh, First of all, the things that are historically good is a damn joke. But we're in a position to start really taking on high prices. Start, inflation's been with us for a year. You just spent you know the first nine months of that lying and saying, no, it's transitory, it's temporary. It's okay. Don't worry, it's temporary. It's only temporary. It's been with us for over a year. And now you're in a position to start possibly doing something about it what we're watching here is a game a non-stop game of kick the can they can't there's no one to blame when they inherited the economy the economy was in really good shape can't blame donald trump for that one when uh, they started passing their bills and passing their spending and just you know willy-nilly printing money that's when things started going sideways that's when things started going off they can't blame a Republican. There isn't a Republican in power who could have done anything about it. So what do you have? You have Joe Biden. You have Democrats. Period. 
End of story. That's who is responsible. So now they have to come up with some other... Well, we were in a good position. Oh, so the last year plus was just finding a way to position yourself to be able to take on inflation? This administration is the most... or least, whatever. They, They set no agenda. I can't say that they're... I would want to use the word reactive... But they're not, I don't mean it in the sense that reactive is usually used and that, you know, they're reactive and that something bad happens and they react to it. They don't react to it. They don't react to it at all. They don't react to it in any way, shape or form. They, when everything else is exhausted and they have no other choice, then they will sort of react. That, I guess, would be the way that I would describe them, to use the word reactive. The baby formula shortage. They knew about that. They knew about that for months and months and months. They did nothing. Nobody, allegedly, nobody bothered to tell the president. What's more likely is they told the president and the president said, well, this will take care of itself, right? I don't, how much How much did they give to my uh, campaign last time? Not much? Well, then what the hell do I care if they they can't make their sales? Whatever. To hell with them. They still, they run around, they hang their hat on the irrelevant. I've never seen any group of adult human beings so forcefully and so excitedly celebrate the irrelevant. Karen Jean-Pierre was on Good Morning America. And I want to play you two clips. From it. a, these are montages put together by the Media Research Center, the great people over at Newsbusters. The first are the two teases that Robin Roberts did about the interview. You got ooh, Karine Jean-Pierre coming out. You want to talk about the ultimate in identity politics when the left just celebrates identity. And then you go, we've got a, a black lesbian coming on. And they sit around and go, hmm, who should we have interview her? How about the black lesbian on staff? Oh, okay, there you go. And the black lesbian on staff can tease it. And you go, okay, that's, I don't see, like, are we going to do a serious news interview or are we going to have a drum circle of black lesbians? Like, which is it? It can't be both. Well, they opted for the drum circle. Listen to Robin Roberts' two different teases of having the opportunity. Now, the president hasn't been interviewed and not given an interview to a journalist in 110 days. And this is how they tease talking to the president's spokes model. White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre joins us live on gun violence, abortion rights, and her trailblazing role. New White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre joins us live to talk about the president's plans for gun control, inflation, and abortion rights, and her breaking barriers in her new role. Oh, she's breaking barriers. Yeah, no, she's a BSer. Pretty much everybody who's ever held that position is a BSer in one form or another. You have to be in order to do it. She's just not particularly good at it. She's got more S than than B. But she's so hist- you have the chance to interview the the press secretary. Granted, it happens certainly a hell of a lot more often than the chance to interview the president himself. But it still is something that doesn't happen all that often. One might think you'd want to ask about. I don't know, important issues Americans give a damn about. But you would be wrong. You would be wildly wrong. What's next is a montage, no answers. Her answers 
are irrelevant. Corinne Jean-Pierre's answers are irrelevant. The, 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 when you hear the questions, you go, obviously, you, you could you could give the answers at this point. But listen to the questions. It's serious journalist, Robin Roberts. She's a serious journalist, Robin Roberts, according to ABC News. Serious journalist Robin Roberts has a hard-hitting interview with Corinne Jean-Pierre, historic Corinne Jean-Pierre. And these are the questions she asked. I want to get right to the new White House press secretary, Corinne Jean-Pierre, who has been on the job just over three weeks, taking over as the president's chief spokesperson. Now, good morning to you, and we've been looking forward to having this opportunity, especially today, because with gun violence rising to the top of the nation's agenda, so much pressure is on the administration to take action, and that's why all ABC News platforms today were taking on the issue of guns in America. So if I could ask you about how you began this job, extraordinarily tragic circumstances, the day after you took over, the mass shooting in Buffalo, then Uvalde. President Biden is calling for action, but there's been no major federal gun control in nearly 30 years. So what is the president doing to change that? What can he do? Inflation, because according to our latest ABC News poll, 80% of Americans say that inflation is an extremely or very important factor in how they are going to vote. And just 28% approve of President Biden's handling of inflation. So what does the administration have to do? Because don't have to tell you there are a lot of people, a lot of people that are struggling to make ends meet. And the other big issue, abortion rights, it seems very possible the Supreme Court is going to overturn Roe versus Ray Wade. So what can the president offer if it's all going to be in the hands of the individual states? Can we talk about you as a trailblazer, the first black, the first immigrant, the first openly gay person to hold the job of White House press secretary? What does that representation mean to you? I know when I see your parents, they're beaming your young daughter. So what does the press representation mean to you? Soft. I'd be embarrassed to ask those questions. I to tell you, you're the first person who looks like this. You're the first lesbian. To hold. How how hard is it for you to stand up there and be a black lesbian who's an immigrant? How how difficult is it? The crushing weight. What crushing weight? No, I'm a, a liberal in front of 99% liberals who, who spent the last 20 years being a liberal talking head on cable news. It's kind of that way. I was not held responsible for anything I said in cable news, and I'm not really held responsible by anything I say right now. It's just I go out there and I spew the president's talking points and then go about my business. I don't know. I, if I'm her, I'm embarrassed. Of course, if these leftists, they celebrate the inane. They, they, they're champions. Oh, you, you had nothing. Congratulations. You are... You are Something you had no control over. Okay. Uh, I'd look at them and go, you know, we want to celebrate you for being six foot five. You're, you're six foot five. Most people are not six foot five. The average man is only like six two, six three. You are six foot five. And we want to give you an award. We want to, uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts on being six foot five. And I'd just look at them and I'd go, um, no, no. First of all, I'd go, is there a cash award? No, there's no cash award. Then I don't really need the trophy. I'm aware of the fact that I'm six foot five. I didn't have anything to do with it. Uh, you might want to talk to my 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 family. They had more. To do. I'm the tallest of them, but you know, the last saved the best for last or whatever. But I uh, I didn't have anything to do with it. I'm not going to be celebrated for being six foot five. Well, you're six foot five with two different color eyes. Well, yeah, yeah, but uh, it's not really. Again, I didn't have anything to do with it. 
as far as I know, maybe when God was building me, I said, hey, you know, distracted him and threw a, a green eye and a brown eye in the box. Well, there's the only two eyes left. Sorry. And you had to maybe tricked him into doing that or maybe put a little more extra time on the rack when I was a kid. But no, I had nothing to do with that. I would refuse to. I'd be embarrassed. I would, I'd be embarrassed for somebody celebrating me for that. But Karen Jean-Pierre is just sitting there smirking, going, yeah, no, no I did. I know you mentioned that I'm a black lesbian, but did you mention that I'm a black lesbian? That I'm historic? That that's historic? Have you, have you really thought about the historic nature of, of my sexuality? No, I haven't. I'm more concerned that uh, gas is $5 a gallon. I don't, I don't really care who you go home to. I, I'm glad you're happy. Congratulations. Uh, you got a job where you can afford $5 gas, but most people don't. And I think I'd, since you're supposed to represent the president and nobody will let us talk to the president, I'm going to ask you serious questions about this, but that ain't how it works, baby. That is not how it works. Now, there was, there is somebody who does, who is not in awe of the historic nature of Karine Jean-Pierre. That's Peter Ducey over at Fox News. He's really, occasionally somebody else asks a basic question, but you remember the other day, Ed O'Keefe was drilling down on baby formula and they were in Kelly O'Donnell. was like, who briefed the president? Why, why don't we know who briefed the president? Have you heard anything about that? None of them got answers. They just stopped asking the question. They go, or the order probably came down from above. Like, hey, I noticed you did a little bit of journalism yesterday at the White House press briefing. You you put Karine Jean-Pierre, who is historic, by the way, on her heels, demanding answers. What the hell? Do you not recognize that Joe Biden is a Democrat? All right, look, we're going to look the other way on those questions you asked this time. But next time they won't be so forgiving. So they just move on to the next issue. They didn't get answers. They're not asking the questions anymore. Peter Ducey still is. And listen to uh, listen to this about the economy. That's the best I can set it up. But to the point about the, you're, you're saying that people feel good about their personal financial situation. High gas prices. People can't get baby formula. The supply chain is messed up. Uh, everything is more expensive. But where's the good part? So the survey that I just read off started in 2013, and that is the first time that we saw numbers like this since 2013. So that does mean, no, that does mean something. Just like you gave me 83 percent, I'm giving you I'm newer I, than 2013. 61 percent are saying now in this Wall Street Journal poll they are generally pessimistic about people having an opportunity to achieve the American dream. How's that going to look on a, so on what, a bumper sticker? I guess sticker? What, I'm, what I'm trying to say, Peter, is that we understand that people are feeling feeling this. They are feeling uh, the increase of prices, uh, which with food in particular right now and gas. That is, that is something that we understand. We understand. He's trying to get to the bottom of what are you going to do about it? And the answer is, hey, we understand. And look, if you compare... Uh, consumer sentiment to this one survey in 2013 where numbers, okay, who cares? Who 2013 numbers about sentiments based on a sample you don't, like, really? This is, this is what you're hanging your hat on. Democrats do seem, and this is, I used to say it as a joke because it is a joke, but they've made the joke a reality. Democrats seem to be running, uh, they ran before on uh, you're a racist, now vote for me. 
That was their plan during the Obama years. They call everybody a racist. And they stuck with that. But now that they're in charge again, and they don't have, you can't say you're a racist against an, a senile old white dude. They're out there running on the, you don't know, you're too stupid to know how good you've got it. Right? You don't know how good you've got it. The president was out there trying to convince people that they have a lot more in savings. They have a lot more in savings. The government cut you a bunch of checks. You got a lot more in savings. Well, the checks that the government cut are kind of the reason why those savings, to an extent that people have them, are worth less than they were before. The inflationary nature of the cutting of those checks is problematic, Joe. But no, 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 you've got savings. Okay, let's say you've been smart. You've been good. You've been putting 10% away every paycheck since you hit puberty. And you've got a nice chunk of savings. And no doubt, you've got a nice chunk of savings. Well, if suddenly, thanks to nothing that you've done, but what government has done, the government incompetence and the printing of money, you are now operating at a loss. You know, you lived paycheck to paycheck, but you were saving money. To now you're operating at a loss thanks to gas prices doubling, food prices doubling, things of that nature. Now you have to dip into those savings. The government isn't saying, gee, it's a shame. We don't like you having to dip into those savings. We want you to keep them. We're going to do everything we can to stop this. They're instead saying, what are you complaining about? you got those savings to dip into. You're not going to get evicted anytime soon. Yeah, but they're depleting their savings, you jackass. Democrats don't give a damn. They don't care. They really don't. They really don't. All right. I want to, uh, I want to play you this Yamish Elsinder clip. Because, my God, she's a terrible reporter. She's an embarrassment. But she's very, very upset and very hoping that people aren't distracted by, you know, things that matter and not watch this sham hearing that Democrats have. (laughs) And uh, the primetime January 6th committee. It's amazing. She was on with uh, Andrea Mitchell the other day talking about this and it is i'd be you'd be hard-pressed if i challenged you to find a difference between what reporter extraordinaire yamish Cinder is saying here and what a, a democrat press release for the january 6th committee says you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to spot the difference hearing you know has to tell people why this is so important well it's a poignant tweet from liz cheney who has really weathered so much backlash within her party to take this stance. But she's saying that this is about democracy. This is about the American experiment and whether or not we want our democracy to fall apart or whether or not we want to look at what happened on January 6th and be cautioned by it and learn from it um, and really understand what happened. I think the, the biggest challenge for lawmakers here as they talk about these sort of huge ideas of American democracy and sort of the experiment that we're all living and benefiting from possibly being brought to his knees is whether or not they can make people care, Andrea. There are so many things that people are juggling between gas prices and inflation, baby formula, abortion, and and the shootings that are happening. These lawmakers are going to try to now have a narrative to focus the country's attention to say, look at this thing. Do not turn away and understand that while all those other things are really, really important, the foundation of our country, what makes our country function, is the democracy that we have to protect. And they're going to have to do that in the face of Republicans who are lying still about the 2020 election and who are getting elected and installing people who have um, the really motivations that were that were what happened and, and why people broke into the Capitol in the first place. Uh, what an award-winning journalist she is, isn't she? 
She's just a, a really a bipedal obese press release from the DNC. Oh no, Republicans are lying, and when you get people, yeah, you know, all these things are bad that you can't afford it, but but a couple of windows are broken in the Capitol. Don't you understand? Grandma took a safe uh, a selfie in the rotunda. Do you realize how big of a threat that is to our republic? These people are desperate, and they understand that the American people don't care. They're desperate to try and get us to. They're desperate to try and get us to. I want to play you, uh, as we're running out of time, a clip from Senator Debbie Stabenow, Democrat of Michigan. Yeah, um, she. I think she was a senator while I was there, too. She's been in for a while. She was a politician, that much is sure. She's been on the government teat for a long time. But you would think that somebody representing the auto industry and a state that drives. One thing about Michigan, you got to love. While in Detroit and the uh, immediate tri-county area of Wayne, Oakland, Macomb counties, there is some semblance of public transportation. The only public transportation is buses. There are taxis. You can't. You you won't find a taxi. When I used to have to take a cab every once in a while to go to the club on a Friday night, I had to bring the page from the yellow pages in my pocket so I could call them from a payphone. Because you, were, at least where the clubs were, where I went, are bad neighborhoods. They weren't going to be cabs driving around. You had to call and get them to come and get you, or else they you'd never find one. Uh, so the really only public transportation is there's a people mover. It's a monorail that goes in one direction in a circle downtown. Doesn't do anybody any good, really. It's a joke, but it's true. And uh, buses. I used to have to take the buses to college. Um, so it's dependent on the car, which means the people, the citizens of Michigan, particularly the poorer citizens of Detroit, where you'd think Democrats are supposed to care, are having a real rough time right now. Michigan's gas prices are higher than the national average. They've been over $5 for about a week now. So whatever you've experienced increase-wise in the week, it's that plus it was at $5. So uh, there. The average, the median income, I think, is like uh, $52,000. In Michigan, the average cost of an electric car is about Listen to Debbie Stabenow talking about gas prices, saying um, she don't give a damn. She, this compassionate Democrat, isn't impacted by them, so everybody else can go screw themselves. I do have to say just on the issue of... uh uh, gas prices after waiting for a long time uh, to have enough chips in this country to finally get my electric vehicle. I got it uh, and drove it from Michigan to here uh, this last weekend and went by every single gas station and didn't matter how high it was. And so I'm looking forward to the opportunity for us to move to vehicles that aren't going to be dependent on the um, whims of the oil companies and the uh, international markets. She's so bleeping stupid. It's unbelievable. She's so bleeping. I don't, I don't have to care about gas prices, so screw you guys. I'm going home. Double middle finger up, double-barreled F you to the people of Michigan. I got mines. I, you're, yeah, you, uh, you're looking forward to a day when you can get everybody to forcibly buy an electric car. How are you going to do that? How are you going to get the people to spend their average income for a year on a car when they've already got a car? 
a lot of used cars in Michigan, you a couple grand on a used car, and you repair that thing because you can't afford to get a new one. You can't afford to replace it. And here's your wealthy senator going, I didn't have to worry about gas prices. I saw all you little people over there trying to pay with pennies, and I just didn't give a damn. How sick are these people? They're that sick. These are your Democratic Party, ladies and gentlemen. These are the Democrats. Ugh. Probably more to say on that maybe tomorrow, but I want to make sure that I play this for you. The Babylon Bee has a great video, a new ad for Pregnant Ken to go with your Barbie, and it's worth listening to. New from Mattel, Barbie's boyfriend is getting a much-needed and way more inclusive makeover. Introducing... you know he's pregnant and his beard lets you know he's a man because men can get pregnant just like women in fact there's no definition of women we literally have no idea what a woman is pregnant ken does all the normal things every birthing person does like chest feed then hide his breasts with chest binders he rocks baby to sleep with his supple masculine arms and ken being a man and therefore a good driver can even put baby in the back of the car for a fun drive around town but not everyone in Barbie world is as open-minded as Ken. Men can't get pregnant? Hey, wait a minute. You're just a woman on hormones. Shut up, bigot. Tell your birthing people to buy you a pregnant Ken today. Because why should women be the only ones who can experience the miracle of getting an abortion? My body, my choice. Available in the non-gender specific toy aisle at Target, adjacent to the chest winders for kids. Not legal for sale in Florida, Texas, or Saudi Arabia. Pregnant Ken, not actually a man. Oh, yes, the genius Babylon Bee. Did you find the video of that? It's well worth the laugh. Appreciate you listening. We'll be back tomorrow to do it all over again. Have yourself a glorious day. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.